Hello, everyone. Excellent. Uh, so good to be here with all of you. And uh, it's uh, extra so good, the fact that I can open the Word of God and share with all of you as well. That is just fantastic. So we're going to be um, preaching in Exodus and Luke today. And hopefully we're going to yeah, receive from God a little bit. A lot of it. <laughs> Easter week. This is Easter week. And for some people, we're actually starting Easter week, and uh, for some people, Easter means uh, uh, holidays. Uh, you can see a beach of Honduras over there. Uh, for some people, you know, means sweets, uh, bunnies, all sorts of chocolates, uh, even dog chocolates I found the other day in Mark's expenses, uh, long dog chocolates. That's, that's amazing. Uh, food. Oh, for some people, actually, just means lots of processions, long processions. Those actually... Uh, photos from my country as well. People goes out on the road, but that's that's all that it is. But today, as a church of Christians, I just we we want to remember what Easter or the Easter week what really really means, and we remember it not only on this date, not only once a year, but we should remember this every single week and day in our lives. We celebrate Sunday because the Sunday is the day that you know the Lord actually rose from the death. And Sunday is our Sabbath. Uh, so, and when we do the wine and the bread, we remember that Jesus' body was delivered in our place and that his body was broken and that all his blood was shed on a cross for us. So the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for us Christians are not present only on Easter dates. They should be present all the time. But it's good to remember it now that people are actually talking about it because we actually, kids are going to be on holiday, we, people are talking about oh, Easter and what, what we're going to do. So uh, today we celebrate in a special way also the, the wine and the bread, that broken bread that means the body of Christ, as I said, and that wine that represents um, the blood of Jesus. We find passages in the New Testament that remind us about all of this, and we're going to read soon, so get ready with your Bibles, uh, in Luke 22, uh, um, 1, uh, 14 to 20. So if you open your Bibles, we're going to, I'm not going to have the, all the verses on the screen today, so it will be an exercise for you to be jumping from one scripture to the other. So if you open your Bibles and look, uh, we're going to see a little bit of this and a little bit about what's going on. And it says like this, <clears throat> when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat, eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and, and said, this is the cup and divide it, uh, uh, sorry, <clears throat> take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, so on that week, lots of stuff was coming. As Matt said at the beginning, it was Palm Sunday. But from the, that day that Jesus enters Jerusalem, lots of things happening in that week. Um, but there was lots of many people, many, many people around. And the, one of the reasons, actually, there were lots of many, they were celebrating that week a festival called the Passover. And we're going to be touching on that today, as you can see in the title of the preach. 
Now, while Jesus celebrates, actually that night on Thursday, Jesus is celebrating the Passover with the disciples and breaking the bread and having the wine with them. And what, what is he saying is, he's identifying himself with the Paschal Lamb, that Lamb that the people of Israel sacrifice every single year. And today we want to relate that Passover of the Exodus, and that, the Passover that we find in the Exodus, the first Passover, with the Passover which is Christ for us, and understand that He is the Lamb of God that takes all sin of the world, all the sin of the world. So we're going to see in the book of Exodus what was celebrated, how it was celebrated, and why it was celebrated. In Exodus, probably some of you know this story, but we, we see um, the people freeze, sorry, God frees His people from slavery from Egypt. He sent Moses, and Moses, through Moses, he made lots of signs and wonders in front of Pharaoh. But Pharaoh was adamant that he was not going to release the people of Israel. His heart was harder and harder every time. So what God did, he actually sent lots of uh, plagues to the, to the Egypt, Egyptian people, okay, to Egypt in general. And the water was uh, transformed into blood. They had frogs, lice, locusts. Hail, and uh, all sorts of things happen. That, we find that in Exodus 9 and 10, if you want to recheck that story. But the one, there was one more plague, and the most terrible of all, the most terrific one, or terrible or horrible one, it was the last plague, and that was going to, God was going to come down, and he was going to send his judgment upon the nation of Egypt, and the firstborn of each house was going to die. The presence of God was going to pass through each one of the streets and one of each houses of Egypt and each firstborn of the house from the king to the servant, servant, they were all going to die. However, the people of Israel had a protection against that judgment. The people of Israel had a substitute. Instead of the firstborn of the house dying that night, a lamb was going to die, an innocent. In the house of the Hebrews, a substitute could be offered. And the angel of the Lord, when passing, exercising his judgment, and just looking around, saw someone that had already died in that house. He was just going to pass by. There was no need for two to pay. If there had already been a substitute, if one has already shed his blood, there was no need for another one or someone else to die in his place. So it's a sacrifice, and the sacrifice had been taken place, the debt was being paid, and God's justice would pass by. The justice of God would pass over. Okay, and that is what Passover actually means. Passover in Hebrews, which means skip or jump. God passing by, God passing over. The wrath of God passing in front of your door, but not coming in. Let's uh, go to Exodus now, to the book of Exodus, if you're um, kind enough to follow the, the reading with me. Exodus chapter 12, verse 23. And it says, Because the Lord will pass wounding the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and the post of the door, the door will pass from that house, and the, the destroyer is not going to come in. Passover is a day of joy, it's a day of victory, a day of freedom, because God's judgment passes by, passes over. There is no condemnation for us. We're free from death, free from slavery, not only free from the judgment of God, 
but free from the chains of Egypt and the tyranny of Pharaoh. In Exodus 12, 1, 14, we see how God gives instructions about how to celebrate the Passover, the sacrifice. So we're going to be uh, following Exodus 12 this morning. And we're going to see some characteristics of that, the Passover, the first Passover, and how we Christians, we believers, identify with Christ, our Passover. So number one, if you go to um, Exodus 12, 2, and it says like this, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. So this is a sacrifice that marks our story and changes history. With this sacrifice, with the Passover, God is changing the calendar of the Hebrews that day. Now they're going to count the year from that day onwards. This will be your first month, God is saying. And it cannot be otherwise. If you think about it, it cannot be otherwise because when something important happens in your life, it actually marks our calendar and it marks our story. Those of you that have survived to, you know, an accident or have actually won the battle against a terrible illness, you say things like, it was, you know, 10 years ago I survived that accident. It was 15 years ago that I actually, you know, survived that cancer. So those kind of things mark us a story. When those of you that have experienced a great change in your life start thinking this way. Or like me, for example, those of you that have immigrated into to this country, you know, start counting the days since. It's been nearly 12 years since I left Honduras and made the UK my home. That's a, that's a big thing in my life. So there are events in our lives that are true landmarks that make us count the days, you know, since. It's been this amount of days since. It's been this amount of months since. It's been about this amount of years since. Could be marriage, could be something else. 29 years together. As soon it's going to be 18 years since I married a wonderful woman. 18 years. So the events that mark a story, in this case, is the same for the people of Israel. The departure of Egypt, the Passover, was going to be something so important for them that from then on, they would begin to count their days. The most important event in their history. And so is with you and so is with me. If Christ has come to your life, if you have painted the lintels and the, the post of your door with the blood of Jesus, well, you count the days since. You say, it's been five, it's been ten, it's been thirty years I've been in the Lord. The death of the land changes our lives, changes our history, changed the calendar forever. It changed the calendar of humanity. We are in 2023 A.D., and it changes our calendar. There is a Carlos before Christ, and there is a Carlos after Christ. So it also happens in your life and in your story. You've been freed from Egypt. You've been freed from the tyranny of Pharaoh. If you have been freed from slavery to sin, if you have been freed by the Lord, then there is new life now. So thanks to the sacrifice of the Lamb, we have new life now. So it's an event that changes our calendar and changes our history. Number two, it's a perfect sacrifice. Passover meant offering a perfect sacrifice. Not just any lamb would do. 
Okay, they needed to choose the right one, the perfect one. The head of the father of the house couldn't say, oh, let's just sacrifice that one that is a little bit lame or cannot walk properly or is half blind or is really old. No, they couldn't actually say that. It had to be the perfect lamb. And it says in verse 5 that it was an animal without blemish, an animal that was um, defective or sick, couldn't be slaughtered or used for that sacrifice. The sacrificial lamb was to be without blemish. It has to be young, one-year-old, in all his vigor, all you know, good health, full of vitality, and all its splendor, and all its beauty, and all its strength. And not only that, but the perfect land had to be consumed perfectly as well. So let us look at some instructions in Exodus, some instructions that the Lord gives to the people in verse number four. If any household is too small for the whole lamb, they must share it one with the nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are to determine the amount of the land needed in accordance with what each person will eat. They had to check. They had to check the lamb that they could eat it pro- pro- properly. If it was too big, they were going to share it. Because the lamb has to be consumed perfectly. There was nothing about this lamb, absolutely nothing that was disposable. It was all perfect. Quickly read verse 9 and 10. And it says, Do not eat the meat raw or boiling water, but roast it over fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Mm. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. It had to be completely consumed. If anything, any, anything remained, had to be put on fire. But nothing, absolutely nothing was wasted. And this is key. Nothing was wasted. All of him was precious. So it is the, with the Lord Christ Jesus, our Lamb, the Lamb of God. It wasn't a, a Jewish, the, you know, the son of a Jewish family that was going to see, uh, that was going to die. It was God the Father who offered his firstborn in our place. And Christ also, like this young lamb, you know, he was in all his youth, in all his strength, in all his vigor, I like this word, only 33 years old, a young man in his prime. The Lord Jesus was also perfect in everything, with no physical defects, no physical, um, sorry, spiritual defects, no moral defects, excellent in his character, excellent in his works, excellent on everything, to the point that God said, this is my son in whom I am pleased. He was absolutely perfect. So the Lord Jesus needs to be also perfectly consumed because all of him, all of him is precious. There's nothing disposable in him. On the cross, his body was was pierced by the spear, by the nails, by the thorns, His blood was shed to the last drop. And just as the Hebrews ate the lamb completely, so you and me need to receive Jesus Christ completely, perfectly. All of them, absolutely all of them. Don't tell me that Jesus is your Savior and then tell me that Jesus is not your Lord. Don't tell me that Jesus is your friend but then you tell me that Jesus is not your master. Don't tell me that you're glad that you've been forgiven, but you're not willing to obey him. Feeding on Christ means 
all of Christ, all of Christ, His forgiveness, His grace, His goodness, His commandments, His orders, His teachings, all of Christ. We take the lamb with all of that that implies, with all of that implies to eat from Him, to follow Him. Christ supposes hope as well as delivery. He supposes promises as well as commitment. If you take Christ, you, take, you need to take Christ. You need to take it, as Matthew Henry says in his commentary about all the Bible. You take Christ with his yoke. You take Christ with his cross. You take Christ with his crown. And as the same as the Israelites ate of the lamb, you and I receive all of Christ because there is nothing disposable in him. All of him is beautiful. It's a perfect lamb, a perfect sacrifice, a perfect salvation. Number three, this sacrifice is a sign. So it changes our story. It's a perfect sacrifice, but this, is a, this sacrifice, this Passover is a sign. A sign for the whole world to see. A sign forever, for generation after generation, perpetual. And verse 7 uh, says like this. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides of the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lamb. They were going to paint the door. And verse 13 and 14 says, uh, The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive play will touch you when I strike Egypt. And this is a day that you're going to commemorate for generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Okay, so it's a sign for generation after generations. And I want to see quickly three things here. It was a sign for those inside the house, first of all. Everyone in the house, big, small, uh, old, young, everyone saw what was done with the lamb. No one could escape that testimony. The lamb was killed, the blood was collected in a basin, the hyssop was dipped. Uh, this is a, a plant. And... Uh, the posts were painted with the blood, the lintel was painted, and probably the kids, I can imagine the kids saying, why, why are we doing all of this, Dad? <laughs> it was a sign, a moment of testimony for those who were in that house, inside the house, of the sacrifice that God has provided, of the Lord's provision, Lord's salvation. And I guess all of them came to this conclusion. How good is that the Lamb has died for us here? How good that God has provided a way of salvation? How good that the wrath of God is actually going to pass over? It was a moment of testimony for those inside the house. It was a testimony for those outside the house. Yes, my brothers and sisters, when the lintel of the door and the post were painted, they were not painted inside. Because otherwise, only people inside the house would have seen it, right? So it was a sign for the outside, a public testimony that that house had believed in the promises of God. It was a public testimony to the Egyptians, to the ones that didn't listen the voice of God, a testimony to the ones that didn't accept the voice of God, and a testimony for those that didn't believe the voice of God, a public testimony that judgment was coming, but God has provided salvation. That here, a lamb has been killed and sacrificed for us, and we testify of it by painting the doors, the posts, and the lintels 
from the outside. A testimony for the Egyptians, of course. And after the plague, the plague, sorry, the plague passed, there were houses that were full and houses that were empty. The houses that were full were the Egyptians' houses, full of mourning, pain, and sadness. And the houses that were empty were the Hebrews, the, the Israelites' houses. Okay? That were, and they were, they were um, painted the door, and that painted door remained as a perpetual testimony, announcing that they have believed. They have been released. They have been made free. They're no longer there. The house is empty, and now they serve in the Lord. The blood of the land was a sign for the outsiders. So those are two characteristics of what the Passover is. And now I would like to see with you how the Passover was celebrated at the time. Number one, we're going to see three things as well. It was celebrated with unity. All together, not only those who were inside the house, but all the Hebrew people, all of those in the faith, they were celebrating the Passover. No one took the Passover alone because Christianity is not to be lived alone. We live Christianity as people, as flock, as a spiritual building together. Let's read verse 6 now. Let's go to... Verse 6, it says, Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must lotter them at twilight. All the members of the community. The entire congregation of people of Israel, they celebrated the Passover together. Because God has not only saved you or saved me, He has saved us. We are His people, and together we walk towards the eternal city. So just as we celebrate the supper together today, wine, bread, and wine, we celebrate the death of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We celebrate the Passover. We are one body, one spiritual family. The Lord's Supper has been given to us as a sign that we have been freed, that we have been forgiven, that, we, that God has done for us. So we celebrate it together. The lamb has died, and his sacrifice is once and for all, the perfect lamb. We no longer need to celebrate with more lambs, because we would be like the Israelites, just continuously sacrificing lambs all the time. Just one sacrifice, once and for all. Number two, with expectation. And we see that with the expectation that the Israelites had. Let's go to verse 11. This is how you're going to eat it, with your clock tuck in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Supper. What are they saying? Let me tell you a story. That's a, another photo I'm, I'm actually showcasing Honduras today, but that, 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 that you know, happened many, many moons ago. It was 1998, and we had a horrible hurricane, and actually destroyed 85% of the infrastructure in the country. So we actually left the house one night swimming, and we went to this beautiful uh, church at the top of a hill. They were Mormons. They, they opened the door for us to be there, and we spent a few days in there. Uh, the, the level of the, of the water was, you know, uh, we couldn't go back to our home, so we, we needed to wait there. But one day, someone came to say, the levels of the water are safe. And tomorrow morning, we're going to open the doors of this church, and you're going to go back home. We were there, 
That night, absolutely no one slept. No one. We were, you know, so excited with our shoes on and, you know, with our best only shedding only trousers because we lost everything in the water. But we were just ready, you know, and we were excited. We didn't have a staff. Well, some kids had. But, but it, we were so excited. And when the first light in the morning came, the doors were open. Do you imagine the expectations that we were, you know, having? So that was the feeling that the Hebrew people had. They had to be ready to walk out of the door. They ate the Passover, but they were not eating the, eating the Passover, just sitting and really comfortable. They were standing, not sitting. The salvation of the Lord is imminent. There is an expectation in their hearts. They're saying, we're eating this lamb, but the promise of the Lord is so true that we're leaving Egypt now. And with that same expectation, we need to celebrate the Lord's Supper because His promises are true. And we wait for Him to come and look for us and take us with Him. Getting the loins up, with the shoes on your feet, with the staff in your hand. In a hurry, they went off from Egypt. With the same attitude, we participate of the wine and the bread because His promises are very true. And we're already living with him. We take the bread and the wine, but not looking back, longing for the food of Egypt. We don't miss the past life. We look forward with our shoes ready to go to heavenly Jerusalem when the Lord calls us. So we celebrate in unity. We celebrate with expectations. But we celebrate, brothers and sisters, also with seriousness. Because it represents the death of an innocent it's not your death, it's not my death, it's the death of an innocent lamb for the faults that were not his. A perfect lamb, the Lord's Supper reminds us that Christ is our Passover. Christ is the one who has died. His blood, that blood spilled that give, give us freedom is a solemn act. Passover uh, cannot be celebrated lightly. We celebrate it consciously. We celebrate it in unity with expectation, but also with seriousness. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. It's a death that we're remembering. We see that the lamb was to be eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. There was bitterness in that celebration. There was pain in that celebration. Because they were remembering the days of slavery. Those were bitter times. They remember how bitter that night was because God was, you know, down and killed all the firstborn. They remember the bitterness of the sacrifice of that lamb, that lamb that shed all his blood. We celebrate with gratitude in our hearts, yes, but we celebrate remembering the suffering, the pain of the one who gave up his life in our place. The Lord was delivered. We remember his death, his blood, his wounds, his, our forgiveness, our liberation. But with that liberation came at great price. The first Passover was a date of hope. Okay, remember this. Because the people of Israel was released, but it was also a sad day. Because that freedom came at a great price. So we celebrate the Lord's Supper with gratitude in our hearts. We have been freed from slavery of sin. We have been filled uh, with, sorry, we celebrate filled with seriousness for the death of the Lord his perfect sacrifice. Just imagine what the pain of the father must have been 
when he saw his, was seeing his son nailed to a cross, carrying all our sins. Those who are parents here probably would do absolutely anything to stop your kids suffering. So imagine what the father was, was feeling. God separated from God because the son was carried all our faults and sins of, on him. We cannot come to understand that spiritual pain that, you know, when Jesus actually says in that cross, God, why has you abandoned me? Just imagine that. It was not just the fact that he was on the cross. It was that spiritual separation between father and son. Absolutely horrible. So that separation from God is the deepest pain we can imagine. And just before I finished, I want to observe a curious detail in Exodus with you in chapter 12. And that is that God wants us to feel a little bit of that pain that he feels as a father. So let's go back to Exodus and let's read verse 3 and verse 6. And it says, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And uh, let's go to 6. It says, Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. Right? So if you count how many days there are between the 10th and the 14th, it's four days that they needed to have the lamb with them. Four days. And you're thinking, well, let me tell you a little story, another one. And uh, this is not as cute as your dog, Matt. <laughs> but I had a, a lamb when I was a kid. Well, actually, it was a kid. It was not a lamb. We don't have lambs in Honduras. And I had it for four days. And no, I know you were thinking, but we're not Jews. It's one of those things that happen in our lives. I had it. We were the kids of Sunday school. We were going to buy a uh, little kid for some um, members of our church that had a farm. And my dad bought it on Wednesday because we were going to visit on Saturday that farm. And we were going to give the kid to these um, uh, members of the church. And where was going to be that kid? For four days, well, in the Bertrand's family house, because there's no other place. So we had a kid for four days, a beautiful kid like that. And you know, the kids were jumping all over, and he was jumping on the sofa, he was jumping on the, on, the, on the rooms, and he was making a mess of everything. You know, I remember my sister thought it was a good idea to open the door, and we were there, you know, running down the, the roads trying to catch that thing. So we put the lid of the dog that day. So it was a disastrous animal. But in, 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 those four, in those four days as well, you know, we learned to love this little thing. And we, we, we take photos. There were no selfies on the day, but we take photos with me and the kids. And we, we, you know, we, we learn to love him. And on Saturday, I'm not going to, to tell you the end of the story because it's really sad. <laughs> but on Saturday, we said goodbye to him. So can you imagine? Can you imagine what it is to... Have a lamb at home for four days and to kill him, to hang it up and eat it afterwards? Unthinkable, right? Unthinkable. No one to think. You can, you can take that off because <laughs> bringing horrible feelings back. But that's what the people of Israel had to do, to pick a lamb and have it among them for, from the 10th to the 14th, and then sacrifice it. Of course, the Lord 
and his wisdom, you know, give those four days so we could recheck the perfection of that lamb. He needed to be perfect. So, but, but after we check the perfection, you know, it, well, obviously it doesn't need it to be lame and sick and all of that. Uh, the Passover had to be perfect. But we didn't only check the perfection of the lamb, we also learned how to love this animal in a special way, in a unique way. How difficult to have it at home and not to be attached to it in some way and then deliver it to death. Similarly, my beloved, always wanted to use one, that word in my, one of my preaches. <laughs> Similarly, my beloved. In the same way, in all seriousness now, in the same way, Christ was chosen to be our lamb. Christ dwelt among us that we would see his perfection, his words, and his thoughts, and his works, and his ministry. Christ was among us, and we loved him, and he loved us. And it's that Christ Jesus, that Christ is the one who was hung on a tree and delivered in our favor. Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist, before baptizing him in the Jordan, says, Behold the Lamb! who takes away all the sin of the world. No, no other lambs, no the lambs that we have offered for centuries. The lamb, the perfect lamb, the lamb whose blood is so precious that it's worth not only your sins, but the sins of all the world. world. The only lamb that can save, not just one person, but an entire people, not just one family, but the whole world. Christ is our lamb. Just, clean, perfect, spotless. Christ is the Lamb. And he, he, you know, who was led to the slaughterhouse. He didn't open his mouth. He was silent. He didn't defend himself before Herod the Pilate. He, he was just silent. The Son of God who lived among us was given up for us to be hung on a cross in our place. Christ our Lamb. We don't need to celebrate the Passover anymore like the Israelites did that night or many times after that. Christ, Christ is our Passover. And that, and that is a reminder, the symbol of a single sacrifice. Add any, anything to that sacrifice and it will be an insult to the cross of Christ. His sacrifice is absolutely perfect. His cross is perfect. The blood of the Messiah is perfect. We don't add anything. Christ is the heavenly lamb, the perfect lamb, the definite lamb, the ultimate lamb, the lamb of God. And that is why we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Christian Passover. Remembering the sacrifice of that heavenly lamb. Because his blood has already painted the lintel and the posts of our hearts. Paint the door of your soul with the blood of Jesus Christ. Let the Egyptians know. Let the whole world know. Let it be clear in the eyes of your brothers, your sisters, the people around you. And above all, to the Lord. Let it be clear that you have trusted. We have trusted, Lord, here in your words. We believe that your judgment is true, but we believe that your salvation is also true. Here the blood of Christ has been shed in my place and in your place. Your wrath passes by, Lord. 
The just has already paid for the unjust. And you, Lord, who are fair and just, are not going to make them pay twice. I hope that all of you here today had already painted the door of your hearts with the blood of Jesus. If not, trust that God's word is true. Judgment is coming. Judgment is drawing near. And only in the blood of Jesus Christ there is freedom. Only there. So, to finish, let's celebrate Christ, who is our Passover, as the people of Israel celebrated that first Passover. Let's celebrate it with unity and with expectation because we are already living with Him. We're living with it soon. Let's celebrate it with seriousness because our freedom was very expensive. And let's celebrate it with hope because all His promises are very true. Amen. Shall we pray? Lord, you are so good, and you are the only one that could have done what you did. Dying on a cross, carrying all our sins so we could be freed, so we could enjoy freedom in you and a new relationship with the Father. Our sins forgiven. We are clean. We are white and spotless now and just because of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.